Welcome to the Broad Story Project. In these times of COVID-19, the world is a crazy jungle of contradictions. One place broads instinctively turn to for solace is our memories, stories from our pasts that have shaped us and remain part of us, defining what we value and what gives us joy. Suez Jacobson leads this project. She is a writer, the executive producer of the film Wild Hope, and serves on the Broad's board of directors. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Suez Jacobson, and today I'm speaking with great old Broad Sue Gunkel. Hi, Sue. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Suez. Oh, good. Well, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tie it to the wilderness and to the outdoors because I started life as the daughter of a forester way back in the dark ages. And we were out in the woods a lot. And so the outdoors is just had always been something that I, I was familiar with. Unfortunately, he passed away. So when I was 11 and so we didn't get out as much then. But I did as much as I could with friends and camps and things like that. So I kept being tied to the out-of-doors. Sue shared the first time she went to a designated wilderness. Probably back in 1957 when my dad took our whole family and another family on a hike into the Mount Jefferson wilderness near Bend, Oregon. He was the forest supervisor on the Deschutes Forest at that time. And I still can visualize that hike. <laughs> so it, there's been a long history of my being in love with the woods and the forests and lands in general. Yeah, just the kind of background to make a perfect great old broad. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and when I heard the name, I was invited, gosh, around 1990. Um, one of the founding members, DJ Evangelos, invited me up to uh, a meeting that Ross was holding in Santa Fe. And so I, I went and, uh, and joined and always had fun reading the, the newsletters, but I could never participate because I was teaching. And I couldn't be away in the fall when a good many of the trips were, were planned for. And so I just kept reading the newsletters and wishing I could be a part of it. And so when I retired, that was one of the big things I wanted to do is get more involved with Great Old Broads. You got really involved. You served on the board, right? I did. Not for very long, unfortunately. I was lucky to be on the selection committee for the new executive director. And so I got to know Shelley before anybody else did. In these times, broads, you know, seek solace in stories of being in nature that takes us away from many of the challenges that we face today. Not that we abandon our role in trying to solve those challenges, but we have a place to go to find solace in our stories. Yeah, and it's hard to uh, just tell one story, but I, I'm going to share a couple of little incidents that happened to my husband and I. We spent our second anniversary back in 1972 in Big Bend, and we were out in the middle of the desert, and the moon was the brightest full moon I'd ever seen. And so it was a wonderful second anniversary <laughs> to have that way, and that was just great. 
we had been, we met actually with the Spokane Mountaineers when I was on a summer job during graduate school. This had always been our interest doing together a lot of hiking and backpacking. And so that was perfect for us. And the other short incident I wanted to tell you about was we were backpacking in the Poposia wilderness in Wyoming. And we, we had hoped to get to the Cirque of the Towers and we got eight inches of snow before we got there. So we had to turn around. We got out of the backcountry either the 10th or the 11th of August of 1974. And as we were going in the week before, we were hearing all about the continuing problems with President Nixon's Watergate things. And when we finally could get radio reception as we came out, the first thing we heard on the news was, President Ford today said, oh my gosh, we were so totally isolated that we had no idea that anything like that was going on. And it was such a big surprise. It was, so, it was funny. So we've had lots of adventures together, including having our food stolen when we were in the Sawtooth Wilderness one time and having to hike out without any food. We laugh because every trip we've ever taken, something momentous has happened. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's good memories. One of the most important backpacks we ever did was into the, what was then the Powderhorn Primitive Area near uh, Lake City, Colorado. And we did that trip three times, once by ourselves and two other times with friends. You know, that beautiful volcanic surf that there. The drive-in is very interesting, too, because there was a TCC camp set up um, in that area. I believe the Powderhorn is now a wilderness. Thank goodness. Sue shared her first Broadwalk experience. The first Broadwalk the two of us were able to go on together was one in the San Juan Mountains near Ridgeway. My husband was just delighted with all the great gals that were there. And since he taught special education, his normal colleagues were, were women. And he just would go around to the different groups and he had a great old time. And we had a great time looking at the areas that had been restored from the old mining camp. One of the things we always thought was so wonderful about Broadwalks is we always had extremely knowledgeable people come hike with us and tell us about important things going on. And, uh, and that's true of every single Broadwalk we've ever went on. We had that opportunity to meet some wonderful people like yourself uh, doing really important things and learning a lot. On another trip, she learned about cryptobiotic soils in the Utah desert. I remember the Greater Canyonlands Broadwalk. We had a scientist who took us to some of the areas in Canyonlands Park and talked to us about the soils and how fragile they were. From then on, we would always hop from rock to rock, trying not to step on the soil of the desert. And that has been drilled into me, not to step on any of that cryogenic, is that what it's called? soils. Um, right. And so, yeah, but it made a big difference to me in the way we we looked at, uh, at our hiking. We had done a lot of off-trail kinds of things, and I realized that the desert was not the place to do that. <laughs> so we were real careful from then on, and that was just such an educational thing to, to be able to be there with a real expert. 
I'm in the process of writing a letter to the editor about some of BLM's plans to not have any of their so-called restoration projects be under any scrutiny at all. And I was thinking about, you know, they, they go out and they chain the, all these areas and, and it just is so heart-wrenching, stomach-wrenching to me to see that. And and I was thinking about those fragile soils in my letter to the editor. One of the things I want to talk about in my letter to the editor is the fragility of most of our public lands and that we don't treat them as if they're fragile at all. We allow things to, to go on in those public land areas that basically destroy much of their native plants, and as a result, they're native animals that are so important for our ecosystem. So I'm, I'm working on that. Well, that, there's such a coincidence. I just finished a short piece on that for the blog on the Great Old Broads website. And what, and what you've pointed out, which is so important, is that educational backbone of Broads that does inform our advocacy and our stewardship and also how much fun it is to be abroad. And the other coincidence is that my very first backpacking trip was to the Cirque of the Towers, and it also involved snow. It was the 4th of July weekend. I had a tube tent I had made at home, and it snowed like hell. (laughs) (laughs) Our boots were frozen. We, yeah. we did have a real tent, but we had put the boots outside the tent, right, but under the shelter of the tent fly, and we got up in the morning, and they were totally frozen. So we had to wait until some sun came out before we could even get our boots on. I was so unprepared that I had a swimming suit in my backpack. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> That um, didn't get used, did it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. We hiked out in a whiteout, thank goodness. Oh, boy. But a little dose of experience to maybe get some education before going back out on these kinds of adventures. But even under those circumstances, I mean, that became the first in a long string of backpacks for me that you know, again, our memories that will never fade. That's right. They just don't. And as I got older, I began to make little diary entries. Those diaries are very helpful to pinpoint where in the world we were. We're very sorry that health-wise, we really just are not capable of doing that kind of thing anymore. So we have to have all those memories to keep us connected to the wonderful and important wilderness. These memories are so important to us. And so what does that tell us about our values and about the difference between those values and what we think is important and what society often tells us is important? Well, I think that it tells us that we have learned something very profound in that we get solace out of being in the out of doors and away from the hustle and bustle of everything. And a lot of people never have learned that. 
and they're talking so much about forest deficit disorder and forest therapy these days on, on programs I listen to. And maybe at this point in time, some people are actually getting that message of how important it is to be able to have pristine areas where we're only visitors and we can be part of an environment that isn't man-made. And I I hope that's going to happen. I hope that there's some good things that are going to happen out of this social distancing and they just take the time and go out by themselves into even just a park and sit down under a tree instead of hitting their heads against the wall because they can't go do all of the things that they always were able to do. Those of us that have had the privilege of being deep in wilderness over and over, I think, are very lucky people. Well, I would agree with you. It's been such a backbone of our lives, obviously. Sue, it's been so great to have you and hear your stories, and thank you so much. Is there something you'd like to close with? I would like to say that I that I hope that we are able to develop in our organization a diversity that I think is becoming much more the norm, but we still don't, you know, our white Anglo-Saxon heritage, which most of us old brothers are, uh, we haven't been able to come up with a consistently good way to involve people of color or who are more urban in their orientations. Boy, you've really hit that nail on the head of, of what our challenge is and our hope for the future, and we're working on it. But good. as you say, we've got a long history to overcome and, and lots of work to do. So thank yes, you so do. much for bringing that up. It's so critical. It is critical, and and I think we'd all gain so much more from the organization if we had that diversity. So I, I've been thinking about those things and trying to think of how we could do that here in Albuquerque and the, the Rio Grande Valley so that we certainly do not have a dearth of, of diversity in Mexico. So we ought to be able to take advantage of that. Let's hope. Yeah, that's a hope for the future. We'll see yeah. you again. Thanks so much for being with us. Yes. Well, thank you for doing this project. Don't miss the next episode of the Broad Story Project. You'll find links to other stories on our website under News 